Hello, my friend. How are you doing? I hope you're having a great day. This is Heather. This is the Celebrity Chat Edition, and this week is Dr. Candice, a naturopath from out west of Canada, and she's got such an interesting journey, and we had a really great conversation on staying well and keeping healthy and all the challenges that we have while doing that. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you found it useful, for sure, send it out into the world. That would be so great. And I would truly appreciate it and comments as well. Good or bad, you know, let me know. Hope you have a great day. Take care. Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is Heather, and I am super excited that you're here. You are going to hear some tips and some tricks and some ideas to help you live your happiest and healthiest self. I call it Back to Me because when you are taking care of yourself, Back to Me, then you can take better care of others, and we can all make the world a better place. This is Wellness Your Way, and I am super happy that you're here. And we are live. Amazing. Hello, my friends. I hope you're having an outstanding day. This is Heather. This is the Back to Me podcast. This is the fabulous Friday edition with my favorite people in the world who are celebrities who come and share what they know. And I always find it helpful whenever I talk to these people. For me, I mean, a little bit selfish. Part of it's for me, but it's always for you. Back to me, back to you and helping you find something to help you be happier and healthier in your life. And today, the super amazing Dr. Candice Stanick. There, I said it right. Yes? <laughs> awesome. Hello. Thank you for coming over. Thank you so much, Heather. It's great to be here. And hello to your audience. Yeah, it's, I mean, oh, I didn't even say what you did. <laughs> So, Dr. Candice, let's tell us, let's talk about what kind of doctor you are. <laughs> I am a naturopathic doctor. And um, yeah, what I would love to share with your audience is that our profession shines in finding the root cause of what's going on and individualized care. Right. This is so true. I, I actually remember the first time I went to a naturopath, probably hmm, 25 ish years ago. Eek. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying something like that. But it was because I had suddenly developed asthma and the medical profession couldn't tell me why. So I said, forget it. I'm going to go ask somebody who will actually answer my questions. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I remember when we talked, it's, you got into it in an interesting way, didn't you? Yeah, I was actually working in corporate Calgary um, in oil and gas and um, had an interesting conversation with my manager at the time. And he kind of said, either you get an accounting or finance designation or you're not getting promoted. And my personality is such that not getting promoted wasn't an option. So <laughs> I promptly found myself researching all kinds of master's programs. It was incredible. I, I spent definitely a few months researching or longer and uh, discovered naturopathic medicine. And I was like, I think that's it. <laughs> Wasn't expecting um, to do a full on brand new degree by any means, because I very much liked the corporate environment. And I very much liked um, auditing, but I was not passionate about pursuing some type of uh, finance or accounting designation. That's so interesting that you say that because I mean, when we talked, because I was in corporate finance as well. And so I thought it was so interesting that we both went from corporate and took that turn into the wellness space, but I left because I didn't, I had a designation and I didn't like auditing. Yeah. So I was like, I want out of here. But what, it, what, I guess there's similarities because when I think about accounting, it's almost like puzzle solving. I always thought it felt like puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. And I guess being a naturopath in some ways is the same. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely skills that uh, were transferable, as it were, because um, I actually was an internal audit. So I, I interviewed people on the processes they did. 
And, um, you know, a lot of interviewing happens with a naturopathic doctor for sure, because we're trying to find the history and what's going on. And that problem solving piece that you're talking about um, is at the forefront for sure. Right. I, yeah, mm -hmm. I remember the first naturopath I ever went to, he spent, I feel like he spent an inordinate amount of time with me, but it was probably normal. It was just comparative to, not, not, not to get me wrong, I love my Western medicine doctors. I mean, but at the same time, they don't know your full history. They don't, mm -hmm. there's, there's not all that background that could help in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's so amazing. And I can't remember how long have you been in the, the naturopath world now? Yeah, so I've um, started my degree a very long time ago, but uh, I've been practicing for five years. Right. <laughs> That's okay. There's no rush. It's not a race. I always say it's not a race. We're not in a competition. You know, we're right. just doing our best to do the things we want to do and bring mm -hmm. to the world the best things for us. Exactly. And we were talking about, I know we talked about fatigue. <laughs> The, I feel like the whole planet right now is exhausted. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Um, some of the terms I've been hearing actually are um, uh, PTSD related to COVID or related to the pandemic. And really? Absolutely. That would include fatigue. Um, I, think, I think the general kind of underlying feeling is fatigue right now with a lot of people. Uh, you know, just the entire situations, how they're feeling. Um, uncertainty, all that type of stuff. Um, so there's a lot more uncertainty than we had previously. And I mean, not to discount what COVID has done to people, but it's funny, like maybe we lived under the illusion of certainty all this time. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and now that we've been thrust into it, we're like, wait a minute, you're crushing my bubble. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. bringing me down. It's like, I, I, I sat, I was in India, hmm, maybe 17, 16, 17 years ago. And we just happened to be in the residence of the Dalai Lama. And he just happened to be there. It was a total fluke. Mm -hmm. And he exploded my brain because he said, at one point, we did five days of teachings. At one point, he said, everything is impermanent, including impermanence. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So in that instance, my world became a little destabilized. And I don't know that it, I think I just got used to the ground moving underneath me, maybe. So mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like, do you, uh, like COVID has thrown everybody for a loop. Like, let's just call it, you know, we've been grounded, we're in trouble, we didn't do anything wrong. Like I've used that analogy sometimes. Some mm -hmm. people got very sick, some people are just sick and tired and trying to check out. And I guess it's that the trying to develop that resilience somehow of how do you be in this situation that's uncertain and still find some way to be okay or yeah. be rested or stop whatever's going on, the mm -hmm. hamster wheel maybe circling. Mm -hmm. So do you find it shows that fatigue shows up it must show up in physical ways. I'm not even going to say, do you find, I know it does, but how do you find it shows up? <laughs> oh man. Uh, I would say on the emotional realm, for sure. Um, the, the uncertainty being one of the things that sort of triggers the fatigue because um, that sort of stemming around uh, discomfort with the uncertainty and not knowing kind of from day to day what's going on. Um, so your point about developing resilience, I think, is so key in um, working with some of these uncertain times. Um, also see it in disrupted sleep, right? Because people are staying up at night, worrying about things, restless sleep, not sleeping well. Um, digestive issues is another one. Anxiety and depression is another place that it shows up. Um, so it's kind of showing up. Um, post-infection would be another obvious one, but it's sort of showing right. up on different levels depending on who we're seeing. Um, I saw actually a poster in the subway recently asking for people who are post-COVID suffering depression. I guess they're wondering if 
COVID itself caused depression. I'm like, maybe they're just depressed because they got it and they still can't go out and play. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thought. Um, I know, like, I work a lot with infections. And mm. I know what I've seen in my patient base is there seems to be a connection with mono or Epstein-Barr virus and depression. Really? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting if there's going to be a connection with COVID and depression. But wow. I absolutely can say I've seen it with mono, which is, it was a bit surprising for me when I started to realize that, that there was this correlation in a number of patients. Do you think it changes the somehow the brain chemistry or the processing of the, because I know like it's chemical, maybe I don't know. I have a feeling like it's partially chemical. Um, there's a kind of, kind of a couple of ways that I look at, um, depression. So one is like, is there a physiological chemical reason that it's happening and the brain is just misfiring for some reason because of neurotransmitters? Um, or is there another way to look at it from a psychology point of view is depression is anger turned inwards. Oh, so right. it's sort of like what side um, is the person heading down? Because if the anger is resolved, oftentimes the depression is going to lift on naturally on its own. Right, right. If the chemical imbalance, well, that takes a different, different style of care to kind of work with that one. Yeah, yeah. And I guess part of your investigation is like trying to help them figure out how to how to get them out of whichever direction they're going, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And the questioning, like the intake, the questioning, the time that we spend definitely helps investigate which direction we're going and, and the entire situation that, that's coming up. And friends, it's very important to be honest with your naturopath. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do find things when I do muscle testing that uh, shock my patients sometimes. Right? Mm -hmm. I say that I say that a bit tongue in cheek, but also seriously, because even as a massage therapist, people won't put put things on their health history form. And as a health professional, I think, well, why wouldn't you would why wouldn't you tell me that if it's important to your well-being? I yeah. had a, I had a patient once who didn't tell me they'd had open heart surgery. Oh wow. And I didn't know until they turned over. And I thought, oh, oh my God. <laughs> because I would have altered some of what I did. Right. <laughs> so be honest with your healthcare providers. They're not going to judge you. No. <laughs> right. Not. Even if you think it's not important, there's a good chance it probably is. And I when the first time I encountered muscle testing, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. And maybe I'd probably most people don't know what it is. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So another terminology for muscle testing is applied kinesiology. And the analogy I like to use um, with it is, it's sort of like walking into a room and knowing there's certain people you want to meet and other people you don't want to meet before you've even talked to them. And the reason you know this is because your energy field has read the energy field of the people in the room in a split second. And so with muscle testing, I use um, certain points on the front of the body along with biles um, to assess whether there's any imbalances in the body. Um, so looking for heavy metals, infections, hormones, food sensitivities. Um, of course, I also use lab work, <laughs> absolutely for sure. But it gives me a quick reference point um, to see, like I said, if there's any imbalances in the body right in office um, rather than someone waiting for results to come back. And um, I can't remember if this was a book that I read or a quote that I saw or something that I dreamed up, but um, the body also from yoga, the body doesn't lie, right? It's absolutely. <laughs> and that's where some of the stuff comes up sometimes because I'll be, I'll be going along and I test the organs and the glands in the body. And all of a sudden the lungs will come up, which is a place of grief. And I'll, I'll ask the person, like, do you have any loss? Is there any grief? And then it's like, how did you know? Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't want to talk about this today. So well, yes, not lie. <laughs> right. Somebody does. So some part of you does. 
right? (laughs) I always say that, you know, um, we walk around thinking that our brains are in charge and they do do a lot of things for us, but it's, you know, they're in relationship with the body. And if the body makes a decision, the brain, the brain doesn't have a lot of options, right? (laughs) Like, no, I'm in charge. (laughs) I'm just letting you run the show a little bit for a while. (laughs) And um, you made a comment about digestion as well. Digestion, fatigue affects digestion. I am, what it, like, this is uh, interesting because I've, um, I've heard comments recently like, oh, um, you know, my, my digestion doesn't work anymore because I'm getting older. I'm like, why is that the case? Yeah, so that happens because, partly because um, the digestive enzymes decrease with aging. What? Mm -hmm. That's not fair. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I mean, it's good to kind of add in a digestive enzyme at a certain point. Um, But we, I mean, we know in seniors homes that, you know, a lot of the foods overcooked to help with digestion as it's going down. But unfortunately, at that point, then we're also losing some of the vitamins and minerals. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hard. I, I guess I didn't know that. So do you do, do, you do prebiotics? Now, now there's like all over the place. Pre, post. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so probiotics are great. But honestly, I usually rely on a digestive enzyme because it actually has all of the other components. Um, so whether it's a plant-based enzyme um, like pepain or something, or bromelain can be a plant-based, but sometimes I'll incorporate uh, more of the pancreatic, um, stomach acid, that type of stuff in an enzyme. So it's actually helping to digest the carbohydrates, the fats, that type of thing to really support the digestive process. I had no idea that there was something different. Oh, there, there's lots on the market. And then if we really need to you know, address something, uh, there's gallbladder support as well with ox bile. That's not vegan, I'm assuming. Not vegan. No, it's not vegan. <laughs> I'm not a vegan. I only ask that for my friends listening. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's not vegan. But sometimes, you know, if someone's concerned about getting their gallbladder removed, or that they're having some gallbladder pain, um, right. you definitely need to get that gallbladder working. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am a big fan of n- not having surgery if it's not required. And I heard anecdotally at one point that they would just take a gallbladder out if it was causing problems. And I always thought, well, what if you're supposed to, ha- what if you actually need it? <laughs> like, like when they used to hack out the tonsils way back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. It's like, well, those actually do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't get swollen up once a year. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So are you finding with your patients lately that you're seeing more of one thing than the other or are you seeing any trends? Um, Well, with where I'm at right now, uh, one of the trends is the summer cold. Um, But what's interesting about the cold that's going around is that people are having nausea with it, which is not common. Um, And it's not COVID? No, it doesn't seem to be. Wow. So that's kind of interesting happening. Summer colds are common. A lot of people get summer colds kind of at the, you know, mid to late June. That's common. But what's not common is to have nausea with it. Um, I wonder if it's because we didn't, we were so careful not to get sick for a couple of years, right? And now people are letting loose. Like, I don't know about what it's like out West, but in Toronto, if you walk around, it's like, nothing ever happened yeah people are just doing their thing well we have the stampede coming up so you know (laughs) the worldwide show you might have an uptick (laughs) i heard we were in wave number seven i don't know i've lost count (laughs) i know why we don't even need to count them but it is strange like i wonder um if you asked a small child when they first start getting colds if nausea came with them back and when you first start getting them and this is just my brain this is my like and but we haven't had one in a while so now we're getting nauseous or is it because it's uh some strange strain of the cold that we haven't encountered because it hasn't been around 
or I'm, I haven't seen very many summer colds the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I haven't either, but uh, I can definitely say there's an uptick in it. Wow. Yeah. And thus everyone should stay home and rest. <laughs> well, the, I'm going to say being in nature is a good thing. Right. Yeah. Getting some sunlight, being in nature, you can rest outside if you really want to be at home, but I would say nature would be nature's medicine. Food is medicine. Do you give people prescription for nature? I give a lot of prescriptions for getting outside. Yeah. you? Yep. And first you... thing in the morning. Oh, why? Because the sunlight, uh, when it hits the eye is triggering that serotonin, but it also sets a routine and a precedent for the rest of the day. Oh. Very therapeutic. Does it have to be a, a specific time of morning? Ideally, it's when the sun's coming up. Because <laughs> here's me going, yeah, that's not when I get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, I, I would actually like try it for a week and see how you feel. Just like get, get up when the sun's coming up. Wow, that's a challenge. Who's well, maybe your audience that? will like the challenge. Who's going to take the challenge? <laughs> I've been maybe. doing it, so I, I'm in the midst of it. <laughs> are you in the midst of it? And yeah. what did you notice was different? Like, first of all, when did you, are you a morning person? Um, yes and no. In the wintertime, not so much. Um, but in the summertime, no problem to get up early. Wow. And yeah. what time does the sun rise in the summer? Look at me. I'm like, I don't even know what time the sun comes up. Well, we just passed um, the high point. So yeah. that would have been, you know, fairly early before five. We're probably approaching closer to five right now. Whoa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's early. What yeah. And how, so do you, so do you have a formula of like how long they should spend in the sunrise or? Oh, no. No, I don't. Um, I like to go for a walk first thing in the morning. Okay. Um, so, obviously, like, when people are getting up early, especially during the summer, they can fit in that 15-minute walk before they, you know, start getting ready for work. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you must go to bed early then. Uh, I'm going to bed around 10. Sometimes I'm tired a bit sooner, but... That's... It's funny. I'm, I'm asking all these questions because... Um, because I'm curious, obviously, I have lots of questions. But also, you know, I go to bed generally at 1030. And I get up at 730. <laughs> because I'm oh, just okay. like, uh, now, it could be partly because um, I'm a little over seven months post stroke. So my brain still could be sometimes yeah. I think my brain is still well, I know, I know my brain is still doing some renovations. Yeah, since uh, the hurricane came through. Mm -hmm. But um when I think I've never been a 5 a.m. person ever, I, like when so camping, sometimes I will wake up when the sun comes up and I'll unzip, peek out, maybe take a picture and I go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I could I like a good challenge. I could. I'm so OK, audience, friends, I want you to hold me to it. I want you to DM me and say, Heather, what time did you get up this morning? <laughs> because if someone's holding me accountable, you know I'm going to do it because darn it, even though it's not a competition, it's a competition with myself to see if I can keep hold myself accountable. Okay. Well, the question is, when are you starting this challenge, Heather? <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Beautiful. Saturday morning. It'll be Saturday morning. And yeah, why not? Saturday seems like a good day to start. You can always have a nap later in the day. True. So then, then I highly recommend people structure their day so that they can have a nap. Because if, so if you're like me, so this would cause an adjustment. So if you're like me, I get up and blah, 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 go until the end. Yes. So build in time to rest. And I don't do that every day because I, I actually physically can't. Sometimes, you know, as I said, the body's in charge and the body says, Heather, I know you're going to write that email, but you're going to go lay down right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. But I wonder, and maybe, maybe our audience can jump in and tell me like, um, do you honor that when that comes up? 
I used to, back in my corporate days, I wouldn't, right? And I don't know if you were the same. You wouldn't honor that need to rest. You would say, no, I I was wearing a t-shirt earlier that said, crush your goals, <laughs> which I don't necessarily agree with. It was a free t-shirt, but I would, I had that, no, I have to keep doing this and I have to plow through it and keep going at all costs because I, whatever reason. Yeah, I would say that's an interesting question. But when I reflect upon when I was in corporate, I uh, for often took a lunch. So in the summertime, I would walk down, um, you know, to a local kind of riverway. In the at one point, I was running every lunch, even in the winter time. Well, and the afternoon, I often had a break, for sure. Wow, um, you already had yourself structured. <laughs> well, and then, I mean, if I'm really transparent with the audience, I actually was falling asleep at my desk at one point, which turned me on to a naturopathic medicine in the first place. I was really? Like, I'm way too young to be falling asleep at my desk. And it was embarrassing. I mean, goodness sakes, if someone came by and I was head buffing. It's, I, and what's really funny is when I was in corporate, I can remember in my 20s falling asleep in the afternoon with my hand on my adding machine and I had trained my fingers to keep moving so that if I shut my eyes, people would think I was still awake. Oh my gosh. But even worse, I was in a meeting and the lights were out and they had the PowerPoint up and they were giving a presentation and my boss was sitting next to me and he saw me fall asleep in the meeting because it was dark and warm. Right. And he asked me a question. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What? what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, like I, I used to sit at my desk through lunch because mm -hmm. I, I have too much to do. Um, and the only time that I like, good for you for like building all that into your day. When I worked corporate, the only time I um, went out at lunch was with, if I was so stressed out that I had to just leave the office mm -hmm. and I would go to a playground and swing on the swings. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you knew I was stressed out. I was in a playground swinging on the swings. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked for me. You know, yeah, of course. So crazy. Mm -hmm. But even even with that, you still were falling asleep at your desk. Uh, well, there was a little bit. I mean, I can't say I was, you know, going, taking lunch breaks and falling asleep at my desk. But at some point, I fell asleep at my desk and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Like, I need to address this because it was, there wasn't really any reason for it. What did the naturopath say? I think at that point I had cut out gluten. Okay. Um, yeah. And dairy was close behind that. But okay, gluten so was the real like the real kicker for sure. So that was the thing that was causing your fatigue. Mhm. Mm okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mhm. And um I know a naturopath who actually wrote a book about um, the gluten and the junctions and the leakage and mm -hmm. all that. And it's interesting for a while that was the, the thing was like, Oh, you know, I'm gluten sensitive. And I thought it seems to have fallen off as the most popular, I don't know. I don't think it was a fad, but I think people were treating it as a fad. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, so it helped you, and I'm assuming you probably use that to help some of your patients as well, just kind of get something back. Um, Sometimes. So one of the things that is really important to me when I'm looking at diet is that each person finds their own eating program. I am not, I do not jump on any fad diets. Um, I did not jump on keto, did not jump on paleo. Um, I like vegetarian if it works for that patient. If it doesn't, then I easily prescribe, um, you know, a higher meat protein based diet. But I always, always, every patient, my patients know this, I come back and say, we need to find what works for you and your body, period. And we just have to see what what those things are because you know some people are some people are fine and some aren't and um thankfully though a lot of the restaurants and grocery stores have gotten on board and so there's a lot more options than there was you know 20 years ago 
Definitely. Um, not necessarily that they're better options. I don't want to say that gluten-free is better because unfortunately a lot of those products still have um, sugars or um, pseudo binding sugars, that type of thing. But there are way more options available than there used to be. And and way better tasting. Yeah. <laughs> used to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The first thing that my naturopath did was he took me off of dairy. Mm -hmm. And when I tell people that, I my the immediate answer that I always get from people is I can never do that. So I mean it's it's challenging when you need when someone needs to change a habitual way of being. And I talk about habits in other episodes. Mm -hmm. And eat the way you eat is a habit. Mm -hmm. And you can actually do just about anything as long as you can still get your nutrients. Like, I don't think I could become completely vegan or vegetarian because of, and, and maybe I could, but um, I have iron deficiency. Like I'm constantly trying to up my iron. So a steak will just perk me right back up, you know? <laughs> so for my vegan friends, I'm sorry. I think, I thank the animal for its contribution and I, you know, I try to buy the best and fair trade, free range, et cetera, et cetera, organic <clears throat> grass fed. But um, there's, I know that eating is one of the biggest resistances that people have. No, I can't. I can't possibly live without bread and pasta. Yeah, yeah. you can. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> if it didn't exist anymore, what would you do? Yeah. That was the stance that I took with dairy. I just pretended it didn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, for myself, that made a massive difference in my life. Mm -hmm. That Absolutely. one little thing, like it was not a, like having asthma and not being able to breathe was a bigger hardship than not eating cheese. <laughs> really? Yeah. When mm -hmm. I think about it, like put it in perspective. Um, and if I do accidentally get dairy now, it's like, oh, I feel, I feel really awful. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's the whey protein. I don't deal with the whey protein very well. Um, so do you find that like, um, and, and you want to help people find something that will work for them. How do you, how do you help them get to what will work for them? And, um, <laughs> that they can kind of learn to manage with. I mean, it, it, it was hard back in the day and some stuff is mm -hmm. probably still hard, but. Um, I think you bring up a really good point, Heather, that it has to do with habits. And um, you mentioned for yourself that the pain of the asthma was worse than giving up the dairy. And so I think with food, well, with anything really, I mean, if we look from a coaching perspective, we want to look at that pain because that's part of the motivating factor to change the habit, right? So having conversations around that in terms of um, it's real life thing, yeah. real, life is, real life is happening. <laughs> um, but having those um, conversations around like, you know, what are the benefits? What are the risks? Why is it difficult? Um, what kind of obstacles are we looking at? family family life is a big oh my one. gosh right right like you know the mom has an issue and it's like well I don't know if my kids will eat that way but we all know the household eats how mom eats right right or I don't do the cooking and you know mm -hmm. they, they don't cook like that and you know or we go to my friend's house and I don't want to tell them not to make xyz I don't want to be a pain there's lots of excuses. One day I was in a restaurant in downtown Toronto and there was only one thing on the menu that didn't have cheese. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of cranky. I said, you realize there's only one thing in here that doesn't have cheese. And the, the waiter was like, yeah, so. <laughs> it's like, okay, give me that. <laughs> but it's like, there's, there's challenges, but it's so, and I think sometimes also because we, and maybe this isn't entirely true. Maybe I'm painting with too broad a brush. We want it to be fixed now. And digestive stuff doesn't, takes, it takes a little consistency and effort to actually see the change happen. Yeah. Yeah. But we're like, it's been, it's been two days. Why, yeah. do I, why don't I feel better? I would say 
like if I'm really looking at digestion, I would say, can you see results within two to three weeks? Yes. But that's not, does not mean the digestive system is healed. So I usually say at least a couple months for the digestive system to be healed, potentially longer if we're dealing with biofilm. Um, because that's that sounds gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, basically, yeah. Um, biofilm in the mouth, it's called plaque because the bacteria make plaque on the teeth. In the gut, it's called biofilm because okay. the bacteria make an equivalent um, substance in the gut. And that's a different issue to deal with on top of whatever is preceding that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, your face. <laughs> <laughs> the body is a strange thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can just imagine. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's like a swamp. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I, I sometimes I equate it to going to the gym, you know, it's like you went to the gym twice. You know, you don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Exactly. You, you got it. And maybe you never will. And that's okay because yeah. it's your body. But, and, and this happens often with um, injuries that I see as a therapist is, mm -hmm. you know, you did your recovery time. It stopped hurting. You didn't really give it long enough. It stopped hurting, but it wasn't really fully healed yet before you went back to what, you know, doing the things that you wanted to do and you stopped doing the things that were making it heal. <clears throat> so you just threw yourself back under the bus basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have this conversation often with my partners. Fitness isn't a, I'm getting into shape for X, Y, Z, you know, I'm getting into shape for the summer so I can wear my bikini. It has to become a lifestyle choice that, I have a body, you know, some people take better care of their cars than their bodies. I have a body that's driving around my brain and I need to keep it in good shape yeah. until, until it's time to, you know, take it back to the rental car place. But it's the same, like the, ins we, we work on the musculoskeletal outside of our body, but the inside of our body is just as important and probably needs to be just a lifestyle option, mm -hmm. right? This is yeah. who I am. This is how I take care of my insides, mm -hmm. which takes care of my outsides. Yes. Yes. And I guess you kind of, you, that's part of, I guess it would be an ongoing, it's like coaching. It's like an ongoing helping people with that as mm -hmm. things happen, as things change, as life changes. Um, <clears throat> you yeah. go ahead. That new, um, the lifestyle is really, uh, can be a, an identity shift, right? Right. If someone starts saying I'm a healthy eater. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Are healthy choices being made, um, at home, out in public with friends and family, or is it like a part-time healthy eater? <laughs> um, and there's no, there's no judgment in me saying that, but it comes down to, um, one of the most powerful conversations I had recently was with an individual around values. And we were talking about um, healthy eating during the winter and unhealthy eating in the summertime. And I just asked her, I said, well, what are your values? And she said, health. And I said, yeah, but there's a discrepancy in what you just shared. And it was, again, it wasn't a judgment, but it was an awareness thing. And it was so powerful for her that by the end of the appointment, she was still talking about it. Wow. And it's true. I mean... Um, cause I talk about values versus priorities in kind of everything when I'm talking to people is you say you value whatever it is, your health, but you're prioritizing these are the things. So exactly. And, and there is no judgment. Like I, I see naturopath is like health coaching. It's like, yeah, I'm going to help you. It's like, there's probably a coaching aspect to it. Right. Um, yes. helping people you're it's not a judgment it's so helping people see this is what you're saying and then this mm -hmm. is what you're doing mm -hmm. and you can still choose to do that yeah. but just recognize 
Because I was when you were saying, you know, I'm a healthy eater outside, and then when I come home, I'm like <laughs> in my bathroom with a tub ice cream. No, I would never do that because no. I would feel like crap. But <laughs> yeah. but it's like the be be who you are all and all the time, and then own it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And if you need to shift it, then I, I mean, I remember when I. Way back in the day, I went to Weight Watchers yeah. and they, there was, I mean, it was very interesting because it was my first encounter with the weight loss industry. Man, it's a big industry. And they said at the time that you had to um, recruit your friends and family to help you because mm -hmm. if you tried to keep it to yourself, um, they would unwittingly sabotage you and you would let them mm -hmm. and um you know i guess some people would resist telling family and friends by the way i don't do this because they don't want to annoy them they don't want the judgment of their family and friends but if they're going to judge you then and and they to help you be accountable to yourself without nagging you that's like there's a there's that ah, but uh -huh. I want this right now. But you said you weren't going to have that. And then, yeah. Like, yeah. so I guess, is there a way that you do help the the conversations with their friends and family? I mean, I, I think it, I mean, at that point, it still comes down to looking at values, right? Because what, I, what I've really seen over the past number of months is if people make decisions based on their values, and so if they're in touch with their values, they're way more conscious to make the decisions in alignment with them. If they're not, um, meaning other people's values are more important, then oh they're going to make decisions. Yeah, right? Especially around family when it comes, we've been talking about eating, but lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, one of the first things I would say people to do is review your values and check in if they're your own. And choose your own. And it's okay that your values change over time. That's totally fine. Um, because obviously, if people are creating a new identity or lifestyle, the values will change. But just check in and, and like you said, Heather, own them. Right. And I always, own them. Yeah. And don't wait until you're in the hospital. No, <laughs> no, no. Prevention, proactive care. <laughs> um, I haven't, so I, and it's interesting, like I, I was in the hospital for four plus four plus one days. Um, and it just, for me, it just reinforced the, this, you know, this is why I take care of myself because I will come out of here and I will be better. But I've known people who they, it's almost, so it's a little bit of denial and, you know, a little bit of not wanting to maybe face and I would never, I like, I try to help people. I'd never want anyone to end up in the hospital with the, I should have mm -hmm. fill in the blank, yeah. <clears throat> you know, whether it's stress burnout, which happens. I mean, I think stress is a huge cause of so much illness, but mm -hmm. um, recognizing beforehand that you need maybe to put on some breaks and think yeah. about like, what, what do you want? Yeah. And, it, and it can change. Absolutely. Right. I don't. A lot of people make decisions um, if they're new babies coming into life, right? Like I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to go to the gym more. I'm going to um, choose a life of longevity. And then they get in alignment with that. But it's interesting that it took something outside of themselves to come to that. And maybe that's maybe that is what some people need as their little kick in the pants <laughs> to say, you know, oh my gosh, actually I do want to take care of myself and live longer <laughs> in a healthy way. Yeah. And if that's what it takes, awesome. Yeah. But um, sometimes like I, I don't have children and I had to find my own reason to want mm -hmm. to have longevity and, and health as I, moved on down the mm -hmm. road it's a long yeah. and winding road friends <laughs> <laughs> right? 
Oh, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And then I'm because I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. You said that you had something for fatigue, even though we've been yeah. talking a lot of digestion. But yeah, we did talk a lot about digestion. Um, but yeah, for your audience, I would love to share with you all um, a PDF called 101 Reasons Why You're Tired. And uh, yeah, I'd love to give that Maybe to your it's your audience. digestion. <laughs> Maybe it's your digestion. So here's an interesting thing. So we talked about, you know, it's easier now to get rid of gluten. And although fat is what you need for your brain, do you know what's hard to get rid of? Sugar. And the more uh -huh. I read about sugar, I'm like, oh, I should. I'm doing the I should. I should get rid of sugar. Even though I did an episode once called Stop Shooting All Over Yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but what I've, this, I'll ask you this question because I think people will relate in the afternoon if I have a piece of sugar to help me stay awake. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's doing exactly the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. That's not what I wanted to happen. Yeah. Is that a, maybe you could just tell me why that happens. Um, well, usually if I you find, know. yeah, it could usually be a million find, things. <laughs> that's true. It could be, it could be. Um, but if, if we're excluding, you know, lack of sleep, often I find if people are eating a carb heavy breakfast, they're going to be tired from one to three in the afternoon, oh. almost without, without fail. Um, so I usually suggest incorporating some type of protein for breakfast and really having the blood sugar be stable. Um, cause that, Carb intake, blood sugar goes up, then we have a dip, lunch, and then we have another kind of roller coaster. Um, and the what I found, the reason why people are looking for something sweet in the afternoon is because they're looking for that quick fuel. The body can burn carbs a lot faster than fat or protein. And so looking for that quick uptake, but you're absolutely right. They're going to have another crash, um, you know, probably by dinner time again. Not even dinner time, like five minutes later. <laughs> it's like, that oh, wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely could be depending on each person's metabolism, right? You claw yourself back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um yeah, and I I mean it's if you read labels, which I do, it's like so if anything is missing, if they've tried to strip something else out, they've just replaced it with sugar. It's like darn it. Yeah, a lot of the um, gums, guar gum, xanthan gum, are actually other forms of sugar. So, what? Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I have um, I have a list of about twenty different sugar replacements. Um, so it's not as simple as just being I'm going to eliminate sugar. It's also looking for some of those gums, like um, having the nut milks, for example, as an alternative. A lot of them actually have a form of sugar added to them. Oh man, even if you have the unsweetened kind? Uh, I, I believe so. I haven't looked, like I've looked at a lot of labels, but many of them, um, I actually switched to coconut milk out of a can, which I know is not the best, but at least you can get pure coconut cream milk um, that doesn't have any other additives. I've been trying to reduce my footprint by using yeah. oat milk. So yeah. now I'm on the hunt for oat milk with nothing else in it. Because yeah. I could always make my own. That's Could a make lot of your work. Home. Yeah. A lot of work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or maybe just use water and stop being so like we as a society are really attached to milks. Yes. <laughs> and milk alternatives, right? Uh -huh. No, I need something creamy. Um so, so bad. Um, and I remember the day that I found out that sushi rice had sugar in it. My brain exploded oh yeah it's a bit on the sweeter side yeah but it's, it's a lot of sushi restaurants apparently will add sugar to help it stick together oh i did not know that wow ask your sushi restaurant the next time you go <laughs> it's like you did what oh my god oh my gosh so yes i find even though we were talking digestion i think that uh, fatigue for me, I mean, I, I, I'm an experiment of one, um, that digestion really affects energy. Absolutely. And if you're not eating well, 
obviously that's probably one of your 100 and 101 ways, 101 ways. <laughs> uh, and there might be something in there about digestion. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Pretty long list. <laughs> Only 101. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I, I did a, a freebie recently for a, a talk that I gave. And I gave them 100 and, uh, 108 ways to wellness. And, you know, it was all kinds of different ways to become well in all of the realms, like including giving a budget. And so for your financial wellness. So I'm now I'm now I'm going to get the hundred and I'm, I'm excited about a hundred and one ways that I'm tired. Well, not excited. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, interested. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your uh, insight on it. Yes. I'll let you know. And of course, don't forget everybody because you're going to get you to join me to get up and see the sunrise tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to set an alarm or something. I'll check what time the sun's going to rise. <laughs> yeah, check on your weather app, because I think I'll the check. weather apps typically have the sunrise time on there. Yeah, I will check for sure so that I make sure that I'm up. Maybe I'll even lay my clothes out and go outside, because... Otherwise, I might just look out the window and go back to bed. So lay out your clothes, set your alarm. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So much. So interesting talking to you. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, did you have any final words of wisdom that you wanted to share? You don't have to have anything spectacular, oh. dropping or anything. <laughs> um. I think based on our conversation today, I would love to invite everyone to take some time to review their values and um, just notice if you're in alignment with them, with your actions. That's a big, that's a big job. That's okay. It's totally doable. Totally it doable. Is, it is. It is. Take five minutes, write down yeah. the things you want in your life and the things you don't want in your life, right? Yeah. Maybe that'll help. Yeah, for sure. So thank you so much, Dr. Candice. So good to talk to you. By the way, everybody, if you want to connect with Dr. Candice, somewhere <laughs> in the notes, somewhere in the notes, you'll be able to find all the connections. And yeah, definitely have a conversation about your values and how to be your healthiest self, right? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Thank so you. great spending time with you. Um, when I come out west, I'm coming to visit you. Yes, please do. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And take care. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Hi, my friend. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you found it useful and you're like me and you like, like helping others, please feel free to share this. Just give it a like. Give it a comment. If you found something useful in it, there's a chance that someone else will find something useful as well. Also, if you have any questions at all, I can absolutely help and I would love to help. You can email me at heather at prosperityflowcoaching.com. If you want more of this awesome content, you can follow me on Instagram, Heather Stewart Coaching. You can follow me on Facebook, Prosperity Flow Coaching. And I have a personal request. I want to help as many people as I can with these podcasts. And if you could give me a review, hopefully a good one, <laughs> if you could share, if you could send this out into the world, I would truly appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing day. And I hope that you find your way to wellness by getting back to me. Take care, my friend. <laughs>